Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an all-new, really, really different episode of Full Court Press. We've been on hiatus for almost a year, but we're back uh, with a lot of new faces, but don't worry, we have more surprises in store for you. Uh, this is your host, Abraham. Uh, you know me from the OSIN 8 podcast. A few weeks ago, well, really a couple of months ago, in 2021, I had Jabari on the on an episode with Osan and we talked about the return of full court press and you know what we're finally here so you know me again as Abraham from the Osan 8 podcast the editor for SSAW podcast as well as the man of many hats with all other podcasts and whatnot and I am glad to introduce our fellow well I can't say guest but I will say co-host so we're going to start with whoever wants to to start us off first. Introduce yourself, tell us what you're involved about, and of course, tell us about your fandom. What's going on, y'all? My name's Jabari. I go by Bari. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I'm a Nets fan. It's been good being a Nets fan for the last few years. Um, even before KD and Kyrie came, I, I love the culture we were building with D'Lo, Kyrie LeVert, Jared Allen. Um, a lot of these young guys that are no longer with the team, but built the foundation for us to, you know, have a great team today. I'll keep it short for the introduction. I ain't going to go into my other teams, but know that they're all New York based. And I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here recording with y'all. Let's get it. Oh, yeah. I'll go next. My name's Sam. Um, I'm from the UK. I'm originally Nigerian. Uh, my team are the Chicago Bulls uh, since I was born there. And Wow. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. Everyone, obviously, I think like there were a lot of dark horse. They were the dark horse team for a lot of people, but to be sitting in front of the Eastern Conference after having Valentine, Otto Porter, and then like Jim Paul as your coach is uh, like I feel like I'm in heaven. So it's beautiful, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. For myself, I'm Bryson Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Red Nation Blogger uh, with an A at the end, not ER. I'm a Rockets fan. Why am I a Rockets fan? I'm from Houston, Texas. Makes sense. It adds up. It's a lot of up and downs this year. Uh, we're a 10-win team or 11-win team. I'm not sure at the moment. Play Philly tonight. Um, it's been a it's been a crazy journey over the last 10 years where you kind of get used to contending and being in the conversation. And then now you're one of the worst teams in the league and you're accumulating picks and trying to draft and, and develop and build a culture. Uh, so, you know, I'm just on the roller coaster ride. And I'm Brian Lewis. Uh, you can follow me at the Spin Zone BL on Twitter. Um, I've been with SSAW for since the inception, really, and I host Reform Hooligans with uh, Abraham's uh, fellow co-host Osahan. We share a co-host. You know, I got soccer. I got Matt Love for soccer. I got Matt Love for basketball. But right now, the Celtics depressing. You know, I, I, I don't even want to begin. A twenty-five point lead is not safe ever. Yeah, we're just going to start the show from there, guys. Anybody who's listening, if you don't know who my team is, shame on you. Um, but uh, <laughs> if you listen to the OSNA podcast, our New Year's Eve episode, I made it very, or was it New Year's Day episode? I forget. I made it very clear that in 2021, the Celtics will not stress me out. So um, just, you know, what whatever happens with the Cs, I ain't going to be stressed about it. Life, life continues on. Uh, mm -hmm. Better days will come. So. Anyway, now that you've met just a portion of our host, because we will also be dropping episodes two times a week, you'll see a, a couple more new and old faces later on in the week. We're going to go into basically talking about 
the all-star selections and what we view as our five all-stars from the Eastern and Western Conference. I'm going to start it off with you, Jabari. Can you give us just a quick rundown of your five Eastern Conference play, uh, starters for the All-Star game? I've been voting, and I'm trying to find one of my pictures, but I haven't. So off the top of my head, though, so for the Eastern Conference, I'm going with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan. I think I had Jason Tate. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm lying. I had Giannis Antetokounmpo in there. I had Embiid at center. So that's four right there. And KD. So that's my five. KD, Giannis, Embiid at center. Levine and, and DeMar. Got that. Starting uh, point guard, I got Trey Young. Um, starting at two, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Keep it simple. There we go. Well, hopefully not controversially, that point guard actually had James Harden. Um, I know he's had some, like, some stinkers, but I still think on the assist department, he's been, like, pretty good for the Nets. The two point, I put Levine there because I just had to as a Bulls fan. I feel like he's been sensational this season. Um, and the three, I put KD because I think he's the MVP front runner. I think he should be captain of the team, if I'm being completely honest. Number four, another MVP front runner, Giannis. And then at the five, I had Embiid. There we go. I think pretty much everybody has been said. I have Giannis, Embiid, and Durant at the front court. I'm going to go with um, Trey Young in the backcourt with uh, Jimmy Butler at the two over DeRozan. But as for my team, I have um, Marcus Smart. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Robert, Al Horford. No, but for real, for real, um, if my, my starting five would be DeRozan and Levine, I'm going to start them in the, in the backcourt. Um, I have to give respect to the Bulls for what they're doing, especially DeRozan. And then the, the front court is pretty obvious. Durant, Giannis, and B. Those five guys have really been doing a great job. And of course, you know, I've heard Trey Young be mentioned. I I agree. Trey Young is definitely probably going to get in. James Harden is an interesting pick. You know, mm-hmm. James Harden is definitely an interesting pick. Jimmy is also an interesting pick. But uh, for the most part, we all have our our selections. Real quick, James Harden. I don't think it's too controversial. A lot of people focus on his struggles this year. If you look at the standings, if you look at the wins, if you yeah. look at the percentages, like. He's not he's not as bad as 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 advertised, you know, and I'm a Nets fan. So um, obviously he gets votes from me um, just as a Nets fan. But just being um, non-biased, you know, obviously the the Bulls with um, Damar and Levine, they're putting up numbers. They're first in, in, in the Eastern Conference. And when I was voting, uh, that's when I did realize that. Because like, in my head like the Marty Rosen, like, I guess he's, what is he, he's listed as a guard on, um, on our star voting, but yeah. if I had it my way, I would, I'd probably vote Harden, Levine, DeRozan as one, two, three, KD at the four and Embiid. Um, but then you leave it out Giannis. So, right. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't really work out in anyone's favor, but it's a lot of competition in the Eastern conference. The East, Eastern conference is bad. I mean, that bench, that bench is going to be fun. I mean, the box yeah. the bonus. I got the winning, but the Eastern yeah. Conference, the players are going to be putting out there. They're going to be, they're going to be great out there. Mm, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm where with my pick it was, for the point guard. It was rather going to be Harden or Trey Young, and I just chose Harden simply because like his standing is way better. I think like 
the Hawks are what 12th in the Eastern Conference. So even though Trey Young's been phenomenal, I think Harden just edged it for me personally. Well, for me, I mean, for me, too. yeah, okay. that's a good pick. But for me, I I, I had Trey Young in there because I don't think, uh, and Abe knows, so don't I don't want anybody else to take this in here the wrong way. But James Harden has not been the top twenty player this year to me. Uh, Trey Young, Trey Young is is has been phenomenal, and if you're talking about his win loss record. The, uh, the Hawks have had like 22 players in COVID protocols this year. Nobody is staying inside in Atlanta, Georgia. Everybody's going. <laughs> Everybody is going outside in Atlanta, Georgia, and getting COVID out there. Um, so we talk about. So we talk about that. That's definitely an issue. Uh, if you look at the offensive rating with Trey Young on, they're like a top two offense. When you look at the offensive right now, that team with Trey Young is off. They're like bottom 20. I think they're like 28th ranked or something like that because. They really don't have a backup point guard that could simulate even half of what Trey Young can do, you know. So that's why I had him in there. And I just want to say before I pass it off, is the reason why I say that is because how I evaluate players is like a power ranking system. You can start off low, you can go high, you can go off, you can start off high, you can finish low. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I feel like James Harden, he has gotten better over the since he got out of COVID protocols, but I cannot ignore the first half of the season and just go based off the standings. You know what I'm saying? So that's just me personally. But, yeah. I will say in regards to Harden, though, um, I mean, you know, you yourself being a Rockets fan, uh, diehard Rockets fan, Bryson, the Harden that we're seeing in, in Brooklyn is very different from what we're used to, you know, because we're, we're he not doesn't. Yeah, we're not we're not getting Houston Harden. Yeah, no, season, I know you're not like, expecting yeah. that. Um, but then but I, last, if you look to last season, what he did when he got traded to Brooklyn, specifically in the games that KD missed, specifically in the games that Kyrie missed, specifically in the games that both KD and Kyrie missed. They were always above 500. They were always dominating. Just with him and Kyrie alone, just with him and KD alone, or just with him alone. You remember that game they had in Phoenix where they were at Phoenix. They were playing like the best ball in the West at that time. He had no KD, no Mm -hmm. Kyrie. They were down 20 at half. He came out Mm -hmm. and dominated. Like, that's I'm not expecting Harden to have 30, 40, 50 points a night, but I expect him to be way more consistent from three. I expect him to be way more consistent from the field and getting into the paint, and I expect him to be so less turnover prone with Brooklyn. But I will say that, you know, I'm I'm not really – with Harden, I'm not looking at numbers when I'm talking about him not being tw- top 20. I'm talking about the movement of him. He's not – he hasn't looked explosive. He's struggled to get past guys at times this year. Since he came back from COVID protocols, that has not been an issue from what I've seen. It looks like the old movement is back. But I'm just saying that grade two hamstring injury, I believe that it lingers because Chris Paul had it. And when he came with the Rockets that second year, it lingered that entire season. So mm-hmm. Harden had the same injury. He played on that injury and it's lingering. And he didn't get a chance to fully rehab. So I don't think he's going to be himself until 22, 23, 23. That's what I think we're going to get that old argument. I I always wondered, hold on, Abraham, before you go on. I I always wondered, though, with with Harden, though, because I figured when he went to Brooklyn, right now, obviously the whole thing with Kyrie this season with the COVID vaccine, that's the whole different conversation for another day. But, I mean, with Kyrie as a point guard, wouldn't wouldn't we all have expected James Harden to kind of be more of a spot-up shooter? No, 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 I didn't. That's not his game. Harden has to dribble. If he if he if you expect him to catch and shoot, he's gonna he's not thing, he has to is, literally put the ball in the ground. Brian, like 
as soon as that trade occurred last year, um, it didn't take but like a game or two for them to decide to just switch in roles. Um, I don't even know why that was a discussion, to be honest, Jabari. Like, I don't know what Kyrie was thinking. He didn't have to tell James Harden that he's a better <laughs> point guard than you. Like, that didn't even need to be discussed or put on a global that's, that's platform. A, that's the thing, like, though, Brian. Like, like Kyrie is our best. Like, Kyrie's like KD. And the little guy's body. Hey, like, I, like, I know like, all about Kyrie. You know, yeah. oh, I know. I, know, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I watched every but, game for three years. Like, man. like we it. can, we can, we can ask any one of these guys to get us ten plus assists. And and last season it happened in in limited games. They all three of them got us 10, 11, 12 assists in a game playing. You know, the, the main facilitator. But at the end of the day, um, you're not going to ask that from KD on a nightly basis. You'll you'll get turnovers. He's still seven feet. And and from Kyrie, like he's looking for a shot. He's looking to score and impact the game in that way more so than facilitating for others. Harden, he's a natural. Like he's gonna get you turnovers, and I hate him. But like you gotta <laughs> see this guy. Like he's like, <laughs> it's like he's orchestrating the offense. Like he, he knows what he's trying to do, and he Absolutely. knows like he gets disappointed in himself. He gets disappointed in others because like he he expects them to be in certain spots. So it fits. It fits. Um, defensively. Defensively, we like when they both when they both play. Kyrie guards all ones, and, and Harden, you know, he's a bigger body. He guards our twos, but you know, like Brian made good points. Like last year, we were dominant even when we were missing like one guy. As long as we had two, and sometimes we had one, but as long as we had two, we were able to, you know, beat really good teams. And this year, um, <laughs> that's not the case. Like we're not really beating great teams, and we're we're giving up leads. Like we're giving that's up why, leads you know just why? to fight back and fight in clutch time. We're third in the NBA in clutch points. Jabari, but that's because we give up so much damn leads. <laughs> do you know why though? Because James Harden is not playing the same. That's why. Well, that, I well, guarantee you. I guarantee you, y'all would not be zero and eight versus teams that are the contending teams if James Harden was playing like James Harden. He's sure. not playing. He's 100%. not playing the same, and that is the key, in my opinion. That is the key. Isn't that so he has, that he's not like he's not up to the level people from expect of him, but he's still averaging like twenty two. I was just about to say that. Like, no, no, no. His nah. What Samuel's saying is impressive to me because James Harden doesn't get free throws at will at will anymore. To get buckets, and you can clearly watch this man go out there and look like okay, is his hamstring bothering him? Like he's not gonna get out the game. Like he's playing this whole season. Like he's been our most available player. He's he's played more games than KD. Um, and obviously I'm not gonna mention Kyrie, but um <laughs> KD's the MVP, KD's the MVP of this team, but but we're not like we were first in the Eastern Conference for I think like a month and a half. I don't think we're top three or four in the Eastern Conference without Harding's play. I agree um with most of Ryan Bryson's points with the top 20 or 25 this season off of like eye test or whatever. You got to, I guess, tell me 20, 25 people that's better than him. And then, you know, we could discuss that. Like, I'll discuss it. It's not a problem. I can't. Um, I don't know. It's not a problem at all. He said he's not top 20. Yeah, he said this season. So it's like, Earlier, that means, that means there's 20 honestly, people. Honestly, I, oh, yeah, people know, a lot of people would have dropped out this season. That's all year. Uh, earlier this season, before he went to COVID protocols, I was saying top 30, top 40. No, no, no. I was but leaving him at, out of that at, conversation. At that simple, at that simple size, for sure. Like, he's only, at, yeah, before he COVID. He was playing stinky, before man. Before COVID not, protocol, he had maybe a yes. few games. Like, yeah, like four or five good majority games. Majority of his year, games man. were were, yeah. were bad. But stinky since coming, since coming back from that from that, um, I don't know. Like, I can't say like 
this man's hamstring is bothering him every game when we're playing a switch everything defense and he's guarding Sabonis and shit. Like, I just can't, like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't that. fully buy into it. Like, I've yeah, we have seen that. him guard. I've seen him do that before. I'm, and still average like, I'm, I'm and convinced eight. that he has games <laughs> where he do that before and average 36 and eight. I'm convinced he has games where he's feeling better than he's not, you know, than, than other days, but he's not going to not play. You know what I'm saying? Of course, and, of course. And then, and then I'm pretty sure he's at a point in this injury where there's nothing he can do. Like he can't sit and get better. Like it's gonna get better when it gets better, if it gets better. But Yo. um, the the the, com- the comparisons of CP3's injury that was a great point too, because you know I'm gonna eyes. call this audible because uh, it's a question mm-hmm. that's been I've I've been wanting to talk about for all season, and um, I'm glad that Full Court Press is back so we can have this discussion. So. Entering the season, we had the rule changes, especially when it came to um, to calling fouls, and and we saw it affect players' numbers in the beginning, especially Trey Young. Uh, we we assumed it was affecting James Harden as well. It was. I'm a Nets how fan. One hundred percent was. <laughs> how do you feel about about how the rule changes has has affected the NBA as a whole? Do you think it has been for the better? Or do you think it's been for worse? Do you think when it comes to discussing players like Harden, for example, like we have been, are you putting that into consideration uh, when you're considering all of Harden's struggles? I mean, not as a as a full as a focal point, because as you mentioned before, Bryson, the injuries and since COVID, he's been out of pro- COVID protocols, he's looked better. But at least in the beginning, we we saw just a Dame Dame Lillard was shooting eight percent from three for like the first month and a half of the season. Okay, so with Dame, if if it was the rule changes, it was 5%. Dame has an abdominal strain that he's been dealing with since the Olympics, and I just recently found out from Portland people Mm. that he's been dealing with this injury for three years, but it never has been this bad. That's what I heard from Portland people when I'd be like in Twitter spaces and stuff. So I'm going to attribute all of his struggles to the abdominal strain, not the rule changes. Trey Young adapted like that with James Harden again for me. He's like third in the league behind and beating Giannis in free throw attempts this season. Um, and uh, his free throw rate, which is, in my opinion, like a better way to judge free throws and free throw attempts. I haven't looked up his free throw rate. I should have. But I know it's like it's not it's not a significant drop off as many people think, which is why when people say the rule changes are working. I just kind of like laugh because I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. But for for James Harden, again, like again, just with my eye test, I've seen this man's career from. 2012, 2013, when he got traded to the Rockets to the point where he is now, he is not moving the same. And I think that that, along with the rule changes, he was, while he's moving slow, while he's struggling to move, he could get to the free throw line still. But since the rule changes changed, it it did affect him because he wasn't moving the same. Now he's kind of got his burst back since getting out of COVID protocols and he's 30, 28, 30. It's not because he's moving better. You know what I'm saying? So all these players can adjust. Every single player in the history of NBA can adjust. So mm-hmm. this whole notion that superstar guys, not P.J. Tucker, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not P.J. Tucker, not Nick Claxton, James Harden and Trey Young and Damian Lillard cannot adjust is silly to me. That's all I have to say. Yeah, silly. no, I, I fully believe everybody has to adjust, but for sure there was an adjustment period. Period, in the yes, in the absolutely. In the season where yeah, we were just like, been. oh, okay. 
And it might have been just in the way that the consistency in the way the referees called at the first month and a half of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember going around league pass, watching Charlotte, watching Minnesota. 100%. And, you know, D'Lo would go to the basket and LaMelo would go to the basket. D'Lo wouldn't get the call and LaMelo might get the call. The same damn call. The game. Well, <laughs> even then. And then the other referee on the other side of the floor doesn't want to call it. So it's just I think now there's more consistency in the officiating, which I mean, every sport has the issues with this. I mean, mm-hmm. football, you can mm-hmm. put instant replay, you can put VAR, you can put the best thing. The more rules just make it more complicated. Yeah. And they did this. Course, they they do this every season. Y'all know that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They did this with you remember when you couldn't hang on the goal, it was tech. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it was like it was the delay of game tech. Like if you touch the ball, it was automatic like delay of game. And then as the season go on, they get away from it. They do this every year. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. But go ahead. I, I didn't want to just hog the time. Listen, saying. preaching. Preaching. Remember the basketball that they changed? Oh, yeah, the Wilson and, basketball. Yeah, oh, the like, slick one a few years ago. Yep. I remember they do looking at Steve year. Nash's hands after, like, a while there. It was, like, scary. <laughs> <laughs> no. In terms of the rule changes, that I was a big fan of it when it got introduced because I didn't really like the way, uh, well, players like Harden or, like, Don Chich or Trey would kind of, like, manipulate the rules so they get all these fouls um the way basketball is played it obviously favors the offensive player but as a defensive player like what exactly you're supposed to do when they're just you jump and then they jump into you and so i'm, I'm glad to see that's been ruled out but um uh yeah barry oh uh, sorry um bryson made like an amazing point that like this happens every year and i was even gonna say that the dame thing i didn't know was like an abdominal strain because i was going to say he's the only person that had actually been seen affected by this rule change everyone else seemed to have adjusted and to be honest like before you really brought it up i'd even forgotten that brought it that mentioned it like the game was just he's close. about to get shut down for the year by the way yeah i mean he, he should you know traveling with the team he home he should be he should leave I don't understand this loyalty especially thing. everything that happened <laughs> with, especially with how how scary that was for cj about almost a month ago, too. I mean, oh, I would yeah. probably, I'd probably sit CJ for the rest of the year. That was like some real, I mean, not they to make said, a soccer reference. They said he again, had a collapsed like a, lung yeah. and yeah. That it just recovered or something. I don't know what's going on. With Tatum and Brown that need was to some real suit. Christian Erickson. On a scary note, that could have been really, that could have been really horrible for CJ. So that, you know, prayers up to him. But I mean, with Portland, like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense with the Lillard because, I mean, he always says how, you know, he, it, the, the narrative always seems to Dame, it's like, you know, he plays so much, he does so much of the workload. And all, the, all these high-volume players are the ones that were affected by it because they're the ones that have the ball most of the time. I think that's really what it is, Honestly, too. Honestly, looking at the rule, well, how I feel about the rule change, as a consumer of the sport, it makes the game faster. Um, overall, there's less calls yeah. this year than any other year in recent history. So, obviously, the game's faster. Um, I don't know how it benefits the NBA if, if they're saving money from that. I don't know. But <laughs> as a Nets fan, I, I wasn't fond of it because I saw inconsistencies a lot. Like, I think Brian pointed this out, but, like, James Harden, like, he wouldn't be – like, the flopping shit, I've always hated it. He could flop on my team, and I'll still hate it. But, <laughs> like, not talking about flopping specifically, like, he would drive, and I'm thinking, like, I'm watching, I'm like, yeah, and get hit, and, and, and not they would slow it. it down. They would they would slow it down on, and show you like the hit, and they're not calling it. And then he'd slap that same person, I guess, to make a point, and then they call it. Or I'm watching another game, and it would be inconsistencies among just different players or whatever. And Jabari, you know what they said every time though? 
every time it would be a slow motion replay of him literally getting hacked. Mm-hmm. And then people be like, the new rules are working. I'm like, that's not the new rule. The new rules say don't it, like it, don't call non-fouls, like right. getting in front of somebody, slowing down, and then throwing your body up, which like you can't I've never seen Harden do personally. I've never seen him do. That almost sounds Young like reputation. Listen, that sounds only, like reputation. One of the few things. Yes. Yeah. One he, of the he's few pretty much the poster boy for this rule change. So he was always gonna yeah. he definitely mm-hmm. I think they had him in mind, but one of the few things they changed that he he did do was kick out a lot. And I noticed he don't kick out as much. Like, it ain't yeah. hard to stop kicking your leg out. He knows that. And he don't do it as much, but he's going to drive. Because, like, why wouldn't he? Like, he's a great player. He's not just a great shooter. He's a great player in, in all respects. And driving is just not to get a layup. It's, it's to open up, you know, the floor for other players to, you might hit somebody for a dime or whatever. But it, it affected us greatly Um, early. Well, I don't know. If you look at his stand-ins, I guess you could say it didn't. But I saw these games, and and not all these games were great. So it it definitely affected us, you know, in in a large way, and affected Harden. He's frustrated, and and he's still coming off of an injury. He's not healthy. He's not a hundred percent healthy, I should say. Nope. So yo, I was gonna say defenders are having a a world of fun right now because now they can be bad defenders and don't get punished for it. People don't never think about that in the NBA. Like I'm, I tell people all the time about when people are talking about the manipulation of the game. The mm-hmm. rules are the rules. If you if somebody pump fakes from 40 feet out and you jump and they throw their body into you and they get a foul, that's your fault because why are you trying to defend that's the shot 40 feet away from the rim if it's not Steph Curry or Dame Lillard? So and that's the I'm point of a pump fake, too. Like, yeah, that's literally what they taught I'm, you growing up. You pump fake to get them jumping. And people, and people don't like it, but when you're defending Joel Embiid or Chris Paul or you know that they're in a bonus, why are your hands out in their space when you know they're just going to rip up? That's your fault. That's the defense fault. You're praising. Now people are praising bad defense in the name of a rule change. And that's what I'm like. I don't understand. I understand that people might not like uh, like rule changes. I mean, people might not like the manipulation of the game. Oh, no. and this not how we play in the street. But this not the street. It's the NBA. Are you saying you like the rule change where the player, sorry, the player pumps fakes, for example, and then that player, the player who's on the fake will then If you leave your feet, if you, you leave your feet, on the pump fake, if you leave your feet on the pump fake and the offensive player leans into you, you are being punished for playing for having bad defensive principles. It's like if you if I'm driving and I put my arms out and and you reach and you hit me, that's a foul. That's bad defensive principle. You need to move your feet, meet me at the apex of the shot, not reach down, swipe down, and then you foul me. And then people say, "Oh, you're ref baiting." Well, you're literally fouling. I agree with you for the hand thing, but in the jumping into the space, I feel like you you're you're being punished with a defensive principle because like okay you've 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 missed out and that gives you more space to do whatever you want to do. But in terms of it just automatically being free throws, I think that's a problem because okay we can know, take the free throws out. But it's yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair I don't enough. care about the free throws. I'm just saying people are we're rewarding bad defense. That's what I'm saying. We're rewarding. You can literally like I was seeing people not just the Nets, just teams in general. Jalen Green, I saw him get tackled by Ray Lewis when he was trying to duck, and they didn't call a foul. Like I was like, and people were like, "Oh, the new rules are working." I'm like, "That's a foul, though. That's murder. That's not a. That's not a new rule. That's you know, Bryson. Like, and you know, Bryson. People will disagree with you until there's a very serious injury, 
and then everyone will go, oh shit, we should have had, we should have. I just wait. I, I'm now mm-hmm. what I do. It's is a long I, game. I don't say anything when people troll yeah. and stuff. I just wait until it happens to their team in the pivotal moment, and then I use it against them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, I got trolled by a lot of Saints fans about Harden, like, ref baiting and not getting calls. So when he got, when that Saints got the pass interference call, I was like, oh, that was a clear play. <laughs> <laughs> was clear play. Like, Which one? Was that? Was that the Vikings or the Rams one? Because the Rams play. So they saw Harden, when he was getting clearly fouled, when Warriors was landing on his feet, and they were like, oh, you got to play through that. You can't look to the refs. So I was like, okay. I can't play the And then when it happened to them, I was like, oh, you got to play through that, man. You can't blame the refs, you know? And they were mad. I was like, hey. Someone Every gets, year, it someone seems gets that... hurt. Someone gets hurt like Sean Livingston did because of a foul that's not called. That's going to cause a real freaking uproar with the players' union. I can tell you yeah. that. Right now. I need your five Western Conference All Stars. <laughs> we did oh. Eastern Conference and went on a tangent. <laughs> First of all, I yeah, we, remembered we, when we, you we, said we, that we, your two MVP frontrunners from the Eastern Conference. I was like, oh shit, we didn't discuss the Western All Stars. All right, all right, so. <laughs> Give me your five Western All Star starters. Uh, we go go to from Jabari to Sam to Bryson to Brian, and I'll give mine. All right, so my Western Conference All Stars would be Stephen Curry, Wardell, as Sam said, Devin Booker, uh, Brandon Ingram, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic. But I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that a lot. He's come a long way. I will say. Hit us with it. I would have had Jay Sean Tate in there personally, but hey, it's your, it's your place. You, you guys don't care about win, losses, or all them. Well, not for, not for all star games. Not for, for all star games. For MVP. All NBA. For MVP, okay. yeah. But, I mean, for all star yeah. game, I can't I can't look at win, loss too heavy. No. Uh, no I, I don't know. I, I put it quite heavy in that. Well, like, at the end of the season, be... I would agree. But... Mm. For the all star game, why, well, why though? Like, what? It's a team thing. Like, what is he going to do? What is one person going to do to make that team not, like, especially, like, for example, if Bryson said Tate. So if Tate averaged a little bit more and actually had a a, a stronger argument. I was kidding, by the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. But even if we're taking any, whoever is averaging the most in Houston right now, like, or throughout this whole season, and if they had a, you know, a bigger argument where you can actually argue for that person, I wouldn't look at them being in last place and say this person can't be an all-star because historically i don't i don't think it's mattered for all-stars but um, go ahead fair enough and um, that's a perfectly reasonable argument i just feel for me personally i don't see like i feel a point that's made for someone to be in the mvp should also be made for one an all-star and like having great stats and playing well is great but if it doesn't contribute to winning it it's heavily like dimin- uh, diminished for me personally so I don't know. I feel like you have to be playing well and it has to kind of be leading to winning. And you said previously um, that's how it's kind of been. But I remember a time where Bradley Beal wasn't really selected for the All-Star and he was like, was he like lead scorer? So I, I think it definitely has more weight than people realize. And for me, yeah, it has, there has to be some winning. Like if you're middle of the pack, mm-hmm. then, then fair enough. But um, Pelicans are doing terribly. So for me, I, I wouldn't put him into consideration. Sometimes, sometimes it's all about having those big games on those big primetime nights. I mean, I can tell you. I was you just about to say, that. that's literally what factored into Brill being snubbed all these times. Like, no yep. one watched the Wizards. <laughs> like, I mean, hey, if people watched Bradley Beal in the playoffs a couple of years ago against the Celtics in that game seven, he had 40 points. He scored 31 points in the second half of that game when John mm-hmm. Wall literally missed 18 straight shots. 
Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> that's when people sort of knew Bradley Beal was the real deal. But I mean, heck, we're still here. So the two guards, and this is actually very difficult to me because um, I do this thing on 2K where I'll put like the best players of the league and I'll put them against all like the legends. I'll like mix up the teams. And for the shooting guard position, there was nothing. It made me like start to realize that I think the weakest position probably in the league right now is the shooting guard position because it's like, it's crazy. So if I was just choosing two guards, I would have to put Curry and John Morant. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just have to. They're both, they've just both been... Yep. Kyrie? You said Kyrie? No, no. <laughs> I said John Morant <laughs> and Curry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it sounded no. like, I'm hey, sorry. You, you sound like you said Kyrie. You kicked me out the podcast right then and then. <laughs> uh, I, like, I love that pick. I love those two guys. <laughs> 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 Don't mind the accent. We, we, ladies and gentlemen, we have... We have we're, we're so esteemed that we have people from all over not just the country but basically the world right now so so don't mind it if you hear some accents like that that guy from the states Wardell Steph Curry (laughs) and John McClane as my two guards then LeBron has to be there of course and then here's where it gets okay so my center has to be Jokic has to be my center small forward has to be LeBron but then who am I putting the power forward I don't know. Obviously, I don't know. I don't feel like positions are too important, so I might have to sneak Cat in there. They might, to be honest. I think that's going to be it. Cat Jokic. Does that work out? Well, yeah. The thing is, it's it's become sort of positionless anyway. Yeah. So you don't I, need nah, to adhere nah, I was to... just saying, because, like, when you're picking starters, like, when you're actually voting for starters, like, yeah, no, it, you do certain things. Like, no, no, it works because um, a lot of uh, as I was preparing my list, I looked at a lot of people's uh, media pundits list, and a lot of them are starting um, in the in the Joker front court. Are starting, yeah, no, well, Joker and Gobert. A oh, lot yeah. of them are starting out. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's, that's 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's my list. So it works. All right, Bryson, hit us with your five starters. Uh, okay, so. This is very tough for me um, because it's so hard to ignore, like, the first half of the season. I hate to be that person, but I also don't like to ignore what I'm seeing now, right? Like, I, I, I love what I'm seeing now. So it's like, damn, do I, do I give the totality of the season more credit than I do what I'm seeing now? And I, right now, this, I want to be a prisoner of the moment right now. So I'll say Steph Curry, John Morant, LeBron James, Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Jokic. I was I was gonna say Devin Booker, but when he said John Morant, I thought about it. I was like, John Morant been playing excellent, excellent basketball, and I think y'all will see why I'm saying John Morant later on. I love the John Morant pick for sure. Oh, did you guys see that? that, that yes. How how he legit went Space Jam. Yo, Memphis is, Memphis oh is a wing God. away. <laughs> Memphis is a wing Yo, away. They hey. are a wing away. Brian, hit us with your five starters. So, a guard, I hate to leave John Morant off. I love John Morant, but I'm going to go with my backcourt being Chris Paul and Steph Curry. Uh, wow. I've always been a Chris Paul guy. Uh, what he's done with Phoenix is literally like a 180. And I think this season, I mean, hey, Chris Paul literally just makes that team – so much better. If they were without him for an extended stretch, they'd be screwed. Hundred percent, and that's all I got to say about that. I love Devin Booker too, but I mean Chris Paul, man. I mean, and, and Curry, you can't ignore Curry. Now that Clay Thompson's back, we'll see how long it takes for Thompson to get back to his old self. But I mean, that that's that that's the best two guards in the league. 
and uh, at least in that Western Conference there. I mean, there's, I mean, no offense to John Morant and Luka Doncic. I mean, that's fine. Chris Paul I mean, and Steph Curry as a backcourt, though. That I would never want to defend that. Because Chris Paul is going to find him. Those Houston teams are hard with Chris Paul. I I went out of my way to watch 30 games a year with the Houston Rockets, and I had a lot of fun with that. And I think Curry and Paul would be. It was a shame. They should have given Chris Paul a much bigger role in that. Yeah, Dale Murray. Front court, I'm going to go a little bit unconventional here. I'm going to put LeBron at the four. I'm going to put Paul George at the three, and I'm going to keep Jokic at the five. Because I think PG carrying the Clippers, he looks like his Pacers self. He looks like the year that Pacers went to the conference finals. That's that's but the lovely point. He's right hurt. Now. He's been hurt for like a month. Right. That's all. I don't think he's coming back no time soon. Like not not right. at least not in the next week. Or I'm two. just saying for the season he had. Fan voting before. is going to get him in regardless. Right. Paul George is out. But seeing as Paul George is out, I'm going to put. I wish we could just put Donovan Mitchell and just create a fucking third guard. For the love of God. You know, just put a third guard, give John, give John Moran and Donovan Mitchell that spot. But if I really had to go too big, why couldn't I go Cat and Jokic? That's a good way to go, too. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to go, too, because, I mean, Cat and Jokic could play off each other. Really nice. That's a really scary starting five. I just really would have loved to have seen Paul George and LeBron. That'd be fun, too. Has it, has it actually – I can't remember the last time it was this hard to make an all-star list. Yeah. Like, this year – East, because, well, well, I guess before it's mostly just been the Western Conference that was mad, but the Eastern Conference is so good this year. So it is Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, <laughs> Caleb Brown, <laughs> Time Lord. And, oh, okay. Of my Western Conference pick is definitely Curry, Chef Curry, as well as John Morant. I'm, I'm giving this to John Morant. Let him be an all star starter. Of course, LeBron. Um, but, I mean, he's like 70,000 years old at this point. <laughs> then um, I was going to run Gobert and Joker because, uh, I mean, it, you might say, oh, you have an anti-cat agenda. I might. I might. I just don't like cat. I honestly, I just don't like the cat. Um, mm. But I'm, You don't I'm like go, Big Pern? I, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> he's soft. He's, he's too soft for me. That was my issue with him as well. Like it's just like he, he he has the numbers, of course, but it's you know he can do better. You know he's soft, he, but he never cried about not making an all-star game. But he's damn. Um I mean that could be said about Dame Lillard too. You know, we that's a lot no, of No, like really go bare legitimately. Yeah, I know, cry. but we yeah, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> at least at least he was transparent about it, but at the same time, I I, I'm I'm not the biggest Gobert fan either, so it's kind of just like between a rock and a hard place when it comes to. But knowing how Utah season's there. been this year, you know that's gonna, just, that's going to propel. Yeah, you know, uh, but <laughs> definitely Joker. So that's my five. So you know, definitely pose your p- question, Sam. No, no, I, I that's well. I was going to say no and put him in. Um, oh yeah, I think there's obviously a bias to offensive style of players, but I think it's very good you had him in because yeah, defensively he's been great. Um, and I'm a big defensive kind of guy. So what I, I, impact I is he going to have on the All Star game when they don't play defense? That's, look, for look, a, that's for a defensive guy. That don't that don't matter. That don't nah, matter. Look, look, look. Sam's, it does look Sam's correct. Sam's correct. Can I can I pose, bias, can I pose an alternative? I mean, it is what it is. Like, <laughs> can I pose an alternative? Can we do All Star t- like guys like Rudy Gobert that deserve it? Let's just call them All Stars, put it on their ballot, but not put them. See, like, well, yeah, like let's do that. Thing. I, I, I want to do that with with I, the rule change, though. With the, huh? the obviously after um Kobe Bryant R.I.P. The way they changed the format, those last few minutes where like um 
sorry, the last few seconds of the game where they're really trying to like get the win for their charity or whatever, that you do see them playing hard defense. And that's when you do need someone. That's where you do need someone like Rudy Gobert. But at the same time, you know, when we talk about, and I'm sorry to interrupt, when we talk about people's resumes, all-star selections matter. People are like, oh, you know, 12-time all-star. We So (laughs) I'm not going to. That's what I'm saying. Put it on a ballot. (laughs) I would like to see, I don't want Rudy Gobert to be snubbed because of that. But I don't want to see him in the game. Certain guys, <laughs> certain guys' games translate well to the All Star game, mm-hmm. and certain guys don't. And I'll be honest with you: three players that come to mind, four players that come to mind that well, one of them plays still, the other three are retired: Tim Duncan, Yao Ming, Dirk Nowitzki, James Harden. Those are four guys I do not want to see in the All Star game. In a regular game, mm-hmm. I want to see them. They are superstars. But in an All Star game. Their game is like fundamental. It's like it's not, you know, it's not like Zach Levine or you know, it's not like like you know what I'm saying. Like they're not, they're not. I don't understand if y'all know what I'm saying, but like, yeah, like I actually agree with you to a certain. Yeah, like Harden's game. In order for you to get the best, exciting, most epic Harden game you can see, everybody else would have to like be play play off of him, and they're not going to do that. It's all star game, so that's all. But then I mean, we can. We can discuss how they've been changing the format of the All-Star game because they want to get back to kind of that fun style, that like one way competitive kind of style. And hence why we have this new format, which I'm not the biggest fan of, whereas basically... You don't like, like it. it. I, I, I haven't cared about the All-Star game in several years, to be honest. <laughs> like, it's just been... It's just been I, have I, propo- I have one easy proposal. So, oh, no, go ahead, Sam. Oh, no, I was just going to say I haven't really cared about it because it wasn't competitive. But then once I saw the new style, I was like, okay, this is this is a bit more exciting. And it's going to take a bit for it to grow on me fully. What I the, wanna... year Kobe, the year Kobe passed away, that All-Star game was really good. That was, yeah. that was a really good All-Star game. I want to see the best of the best going against each other. That, that's why we watch the NBA, the like, top 1% of all basketballers in the world. Mm, and so right. the All-Star game is the very epitome of that. I want to see the best of the best. Unless but, your name is Sheldon Williams, I'm sorry. I just had to take a shot at that. I I, I love you. I, anyway, yeah, I want to no hear what I want to hear what Brian has to say, but I want to pose a question to y'all too after Brian. Go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I think changing the voting format. I mean, I like the three guards, two forwards. That's way better than having a center. For the love of God, that was the biggest improvement they made in decades. I think we should go allow three guards, but allow that third guard forward spot be an able guy that can play those small forward shooting guard guys, those screener guys. So that third spot could be like just a guard or a forward. You know how people play fantasy basketball. They have the starting five. Then you have that guard forward kind of mm-hmm. utility. So like Anthony Edwards. Right. And that's what the small forward position should be. It's kind of like an off guard or like an off forward. Like, you know, just kind of like a wing player. Just call it a wing player. Call it what it yeah, is. Yeah, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Like small big. Right. <laughs> do that. Yeah. And that would help. I'll- and that would help the DeRozans, the Beals. That would get, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, that would get these guys in on some of these other forwards, especially with the injuries in the West. I mean, hypothetically speaking, you know, like Paul George, for example, right? He's out. Maybe then you would say, okay, now we can make it a three guard system with Chris Paul and Curry and Donovan Mitchell or John Morant. And now you, now, yeah, maybe you have three point guards on the floor. But I mean, hey, those are three point guards that do things that other point guards didn't always naturally do. Right. Either. So that's a different story, especially in an all-star game. You want to see, you want to see a wide open game. You yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's why I don't want to see Gobert in there. But anyways, um, I was going to say, pose one last question because I, I'm of this mentality where like when people do fantasy drafts and all-star is kind of like a fantasy draft, but like people don't never highlight 
the role players. And we always talking about wanting good games, wanting competitive games from beginning to end. If that's truly the case, then we need to get role players in there that don't need the ball to help the superstars show up more. Like Desmond Bain is is it can hoop. He he doesn't need the ball. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's just that's just an example that I'm giving. Like even Marcus Smart, like that's it. I know that he's not a superstar. I know he's not an all-star. I know that this Man, is an all-star smart game. in an all-star game. Uh, but smart in an all-star game would be would help the compet you talking about the competitiveness of the game, guys wanting to play defense. And then he you don't have to worry about him taking the ball out of a Kyrie hands or Giannis hands or James Harden's hands because he's a role player. But that's all I'm saying. Just like okay. guys like that. That's all. I'm you saying. said you said you don't want to say you don't want to see Rudy Gobert on the field. But then no, like, I don't. I don't, don't want to see. Surely you don't want to see like Marcus Smart. No, it's no, no. It's different. Marcus Smart can shoot the ball. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, like what? <laughs> all right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Abe. Like yeah. you got to look at it different when you're looking at bigs and defensive-minded mm-hmm. guards. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because Marcus Smart. Have you watched the Celtics in the playoffs? Sometimes he's the only guy showing up, hitting six threes. Mm-hmm. Like uh, DJ Tucker, as like, stressful yeah. as that can be, and, and then you also, know he's not a also, shooter like on that. On top of that, like Marcus Smart, yeah, he's a role player, but them them stars in Boston don't pass like that. So he no. oftentimes he's he's facilitating. He's he's the Smart point guard sometimes. Is the heart he's and soul of not this a natural team. point guard. So yeah. like what Bryson's saying, like he's such a utility player, and and not being seven foot two, so he can move. Like it's entertaining to watch him, you know, and and he adds on to the star. He helps the stars. He helps them be better, and they help him be better. It's a great combination. Anybody would want a Marcus Smart on their team, all star or not. Okay, so it so do you, believe, do you believe like a much better? Sorry. So do you believe a much better setup, like to make the all star more competitive, would we'll say you have your five starting who are like the stars of the stars, but then the fans would vote for the best role players in the league, like or like utility players, like a center. Okay, Cat is an exceptional center. Jokic is an except, exceptional center. But, like, if you look at to a certain extent, Clint Capella can have an all-star type impact on the game. And he's a pick-and-roll big that doesn't need the ball, that can guard on the outside, that can guard on the inside. He can and rebound. He can run the floor. Mm-hmm. That's more valuable than let me give it to, uh, you know, Cat all the time or Anthony Davis. All, that's all I'm that's saying. going to but, require a change in mindset of how people view all-star exactly. selection. Exactly. And, and I'm saying some yeah. people don't understand that role players have all-star impact. I've mm-hmm. seen with my own eyes, Clint Capella outplay Gobert, Cat, and Jokic. Because imagine it. the way we talk about all-star selections, if He's you know, when, <laughs> when Clint Capella's career set it done, we're like, yo, he had eight all-star selections. We'd be like, what? <laughs> like, hey, but it, it just it's not about you. It doesn't mean that he's better than Carl Anthony Towns. Like yeah, you would draft him over. People, it just means really that in, a, in that. certain situations, he ran. He ran Jokic off the floor plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen him do it. That's all I was saying. Like I just feel like if people want more competitive basketball games, if you really like a basketball purist and stuff like that, and you want to see competitive games, then put these utility players in there. Yeah. That will make that will actually enjoy being in the game. Jabari, now you can give us your, your three or four MVP picks. I had Kevin Durant and Giannis as my two front runners. Um, for sure, 100%. Um, I did say Joker next. Pretty sure that's what I said after. I said Joker next. Um, the thing about MVP MVPs is, and I know he's going to drop, is because the team, team success matters on, in an MVP race. You know, um, 
So him and Embiid, they're pretty close statistically. Joker's obviously doing a little better on the stats as he usually does, but Embiid's been healthy. Um, Philadelphia has been winning when he's been playing, even, you know, without Simmons, without players to do the protocol and stuff. So my top three right now, as of today, KD, Giannis, um, Joel Embiid, and then the next two would obviously be like Joker and stuff, you know, to round out the five. Okay, so my top three MVP front runners is DeMar DeRozan at number one. Uh, I have uh, Giannis at number two, Giannis Atacupo at number two, and then I have John Moran at number three. Um, I do mine like a power ranking. I don't believe that guys are set in stone. I don't believe that you know, and, and the way if you look at the Brooklyn Nets, I believe they're like uh, six and eleven or something like that, and their last and their six and five and their last eleven or mm-hmm. five and six and their last eleven. They were five and five last time I checked. Mm-hmm. I know they have like only like I think they're ten and eleven at home. I think they they struggle at home. Um, they lost like I think they just beat the Spurs last night on their home court, which snapped like a five or six game losing streak. No, I say yeah, it was five games losing streak. five game losing streak that they mm-hmm. snapped on their home floor. Uh, and I believe that just if, if this if we was having this podcast in November or December, Kevin Durant would be two. He would be or and, and if we had in November, Steph Curry would be one. But the season plays on, guys go up, guys go down. And if KD goes back to playing how he was earlier this year, he'll jump right back up. But right now, Ja Giannis, what he's doing, I think on like 30 minutes a game. If you look at his numbers, every time you see him play you like, oh, he got 40, but he played 32 minutes. Like, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? He got 22 rebounds, and he played 18 minutes. Like, that's just – he's just a phenomenal talent. But the reason why I have DeMar DeRozan is just because I feel like he's elevated them to the number one spot. Obviously, they've added other pieces. It's not just DeMar DeRozan doing it by himself. But no MVP is doing it by themselves. It's a team sport. So, I got DeMar DeRozan number one. I want to give him his flowers for having the Chicago Bulls in that spot for them playing a fantastic basketball. and. uh yeah, that's why that's what that's my pick. And John Moran is phenomenal. I just love watching him play. He's the perfect breed of Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook. He's like the perfect mixture. He actually plays with his brain, unlike the other guy. So yeah. But so yeah, wait, that's, wait. That's my Hold on, recap your top three again one more time. So DeMar DeRozan is number one. I got Giannis Atacumpo at number two. And I got John Moran at number three. Hey, John Moran getting that love back. All right, Sam. So for me, I, I definitely do things a little differently. Um, I do play like, I don't know. Now that I've heard your list, I'm definitely not going to change mine, but it is making me think that perhaps I've made like the star power influence mine too much because John Morant should definitely be up there. DeRozan should definitely be up there here in that argument. But what I wrote down was KD for number one. I just think he's phenomenal. Uh, the reason I put him up there, especially was when um, Harden was out and Kyrie was obviously had his issues. I still thought he was still winning with like G Leaguers. I think he, he beat and then lost to the Philadelphia 76ers. No, so 100%. He's yeah, been doing things all year consistently. He's the only player right now averaging 30, but go ahead. Yeah, and then exactly. Then there's just little things that like um, I always I always just saw KD as a scorer. And obviously when he, he his playmaking abilities improved like uh, massively when it's Golden State and then even more so, I believe, when he went to Brooklyn. But like I said, during that stretch when he was um playing with, you know, they were calling him G-leaguers. I was seeing him do everything. And I don't necessarily think I've ever seen him do everything before. Uh, second, I have to have Curry. Because just like, uh, I feel one of the components for MVP is just like statistical greatness. And just him breaking the MVP of uh, the three-point like record is just something that's huge. I feel he's always going to put him up there. And then just nobody, nobody can tell me that they, apart from, you know what? 
Um, I have my issues with him, but I'll even say Stephen A. Smith did say, like, watch out for the Warriors. And I never saw this coming. I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd be back to, like, the best when Clay came back. But without Clay, I never, ever, ever could have imagined that they'd be up there. And I think I'd never have him in my MVP, but Draymond Green should definitely have a shout for their success as well. And then, so that's Curry for second. And then for third, I have Giannis because Giannis, again, just does everything. Statistically, it's, it's disgusting every time you see him. And then they're bringing wins on top of that. Um, I think he, he's, de he's definitely someone like Westbrook where because you're just so used to seeing the statistical like greatness, it doesn't really mean as much anymore, which is why I don't think I'll ever put him as like first or second, but it still has to be recognized. So to cap, KD, then Curry, then Giannis. See, for me, it's four particular guys uh, in the MVP. But now, DeRozan, I love DeRozan, but DeRozan's on the outside looking in for me as well. Uh, just because with Levine, you know, uh, Vucevic, and I love Lonzo Ball on the Bulls. That, that was to me, as much as I love DeRozan, yeah. that was a big addition yeah. So they, a good point guard makes everyone better. That's always been my theory. Um, but I'll start with uh, my MVP. I, I, I'm going to go number one. I'm going to go a little different here because I got to give Joel Embiid his props. Uh, the most yes. talented, the most talented center that I have seen in the time I've watched basketball. Because I'm a little too young to remember the '90s. I'm 28 years old. I love Joel Embiid. The guy does it all. If you have to have him be the centerpiece of your franchise, he's capable of that. He's one of the few centers in the league maybe outside of Jokic and a handful of maybe two or three other guys that can handle the, the grind and still carry a team and get his and everybody else gets theirs too. I think without Simmons, he's admirably, that team looks very good. Now, obviously they have some very talented guards that can shoot and can score in their own way. But I think with Philadelphia, I just don't trust Philadelphia. And I think with Embiid, everything, he's carrying the load for them right now. Similar to what Jokic was doing in Denver, in the same degree, but I think in the East with all with uh, with Giannis and KD right behind Embiid in the MVP race for me, that's that speaks volumes. And I think, and especially when you're going to have to play Brooklyn, and uh, you know, pretty much in that division, you have to deal with Boston with Al Hor and Al Horford's had Joe Embiid's number in the past too. Um, you know, so <laughs> Not just, this year. No, no, Horford's done. But uh, <laughs> but you know, it's just for me. I, I just want to give Embiid his props. Number one, number two, I'm going to go with Giannis. Number three, Durant. And I think with Durant and, and Giannis, they'll go back and forth. I probably will go back and forth between my top three. And then Jokic, number four. And then Curry would be my number five if I had to have a number five. But I think between those four guys, you could probably uh, flip-flop them any way you want to because every night they're doing something that, that propels them over the other. And, of course, there's like, it, it, there's like at least five or six other guys, at least this year I've noticed, that also deserve to be in my top five conversation as well. And that's different than it has been in the past. I would miss that. Yo, Sam. Hey, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I just want to ask Sam a question. You said you never saw KD do this before. Have, did you see his 2013, 2014 MVP season? Russell missed like, I think like 40 games or 30 games, 50 oh, yeah, games. No. See, and KD I, was facilitating. He was scoring. He always has showed the ability to facilitate. I started watching basketball in 2016, but I did hear about Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So 20, if you go watch his 2014 season, it's mostly highlights, probably just gonna be like him scoring and, and dunking. So they're probably not gonna really show the highlights, but he showed that he can literally run point guard and like and, and run high pick and roll and make passes to the weak side, make passes to the strong side. That was one of the reasons why he won MVP. They, I think he led them to like 57 wins or something like 59, 59 wins or something like crazy yeah, number. They went like to the that. conference finals. They went to the conference and they went to the, they, they went to the, the conference finals that year or the semifinals. They lost to the Spurs. They did lose to the Spurs. Uh, they yeah, lost to the Spurs. Up. 
that also Spurs, but KD has always, he just always on the team with Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, James Harden, where he doesn't have to display it a lot, yeah. but he's always had the ability that he can facilitate. I'm sorry. I mean, hey. I mean yeah, that that's um yeah, obviously I didn't see that, but I, I had heard about that. Um I remember like seeing it in arguments, but um I, to be honest, that's that's what it proved to me. It was like, oh, he's always been able to do this. So to to your point, Sam, um well, Bryson's correct. Like, he stepped up mightily doing every single thing he could when Westbrook was out for, like, a half a season or whatever. When he went to Golden State, I, in my opinion, I think he became a way better defender than he was in OKC. But, you know, the rest of his game's always been there. Unfortunately, he has to <laughs> do a lot more in Brooklyn now because, you know, at times, um, well, because of the Kyrie situation, like, when Harden's not there, he has to distribute more. We, we 100% need his defense. It's not even in question. Well, yesterday, yesterday afternoon against the Spurs, the early game, he had like four blocks, you know what I'm saying? And he's, I think he passed LeBron on the all-time block list yesterday. I'm not rating oh. defense, you know, I'm not rating defense on blocks alone, don't get me wrong. But KD, KD's always found ways to improve his game. So I like all your lists pretty much. I agree DeRozan deserves more love, even for myself. I think it's hard for me to ignore the things that Joker does, but I think if, Demar continues at this pace. He has to. He can't be ignored. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Like, if you don't like him or not, he can't be ignored. If he continues at this pace, and um, I do love that team though. They they constructed really well. So, um, hey, I, guess I already I, know your list, hey. I already know your list. It's it's. Yeah, don't, say it, don't say it. Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. I already know what you're gonna say. <laughs> time Lord, Time Lord, and Time Lord. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll stop. Um, my list is uh in terms of MVP. Kevin Durant, I mean, it's just, I enjoy just watching Kevin Durant play. I have, especially more so when he went to Golden State because he looked like he was just having fun and he was able to play with less pressure. But now while he's in Brooklyn and also in my division, uh, just the, the guy is talented. We've known that ever since he came to the league. You know, we've known that since his days back at Texas. That being said, so is KD. Uh, number two would be Joker because yeah, he's been he's been doing really well and as a complete package. Now understand this: I'm a big Joel Embiid fan. I believe Joel Embiid has the best footwork amongst all the bigs. He has the best footwork since you know. While I'm too young to say like yeah, I I watch uh, Hakeem like live. Being yeah, Nigerian, they, you know, you always knew about Hakeem. You saw Hakeem highlights regardless, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm familiar with his game. And Joel is is the closest we get to Hakeem when it comes to footwork. And I love Joel and being, and I'm so happy that he's finally given us a very uh a well, I mean, right now we're still at the halfway point, but injuries has always plagued him. And right now that's not the biggest concern. So we're getting to really see him cook like we should have been seeing for the past couple of years. Um, but that being said, Joe, uh, Joker is just, I mean, this guy can can do it all. I mean, defense may not be his strong suit compared to Embiid, but he's a playmaker. He's a facilitator. He can, the, the offense focuses on him. Um, third for me would then be, uh, you know, Curry. Curry's there for sure. Uh, even though the last couple of games he's been off, but the Warriors aren't the Warriors without what Curry's been able to do this season. But not only that, I have to give love to all the Warriors uh, players because that that team is finally back to strength and numbers. Um, and then four for me, and I'll end it on the fourth one. 
uh, I'm I'm gonna give Demar Derozan his flowers. I mean, we we've always been familiar with Derozan dating back to his Toronto days, and it was you know we we joked about it when the year he leaves and goes to San Antonio, Toronto wins it all. You know, it's just like damn Demar. <laughs> it sucks because LeBron always used to stop you. Now you leave, your team wins it. Uh, you go to San Antonio, not the best uh, best stint, uh, given everything going on there. But now you're in Chicago, new team. You have a relatively young core, and you are showing the hell out. You are showing the hell out, and so I have to give you flowers for that. So those are my top four. That being said, we are going to turn it over to Tabari. To because uh, with our last segment before we head up out of here. With the last segment, I wanted to just quickly go over you guys' thoughts on last night's game, Golden State versus Cleveland, Clay Thompson's return. He hasn't played in, <laughs> shit, like 600-something days before that. Um, y'all know, know the injury. Y'all know the injury know. history. So just, like, to go over quickly what I thought, um, I thought he was great. <laughs> Um, I don't expect you to come back from injury and just post your, your career averages or anything like that, but I thought he looked great. I thought his like they gave him ample time to get his feet under him. He looked active. He didn't look too winded. Um, his shot is a shot. That's not going to change. He didn't break his hand and, and like that. Um, and defensively, because, you know, that's what we look at Clay Thompson, 3 and D, um, before everything. I think defensively, he's still an asset. He can still be an asset for a few more years. Um, I don't know how old Clay is. Was he like 29? He's got to be almost 30. Like 30. I think he can be an asset for a few more years to go to State. He's instrumental in what they do, what they try to do, especially, you know, with them losing KD um, two years ago, whatever, however long ago it was. Um, he He makes them a real contender, in my opinion, if they continue to play at the pace that they do and embrace the team ball that Kerr tries to have them embrace. Um, I think he came back. He looked great. I'm happy for him. Um, yeah, we'll stick with Clay and then we'll, we'll go to Kyrie after. So your thoughts, Brian? I'm going to, I'm going to call it audible and, and go before all of you. So sorry, Jabari, but I, I wanted to say this. So when it came to Clay, you know, people were asking like, all right, so what are your, your expectations for Clay? I said that he was going to drop 20-plus and hit five threes. He ended up giving 17 and three. So I'm like, all right, that's close enough. That's close enough. That's just, you know, two, literally knowing him two baskets away. But it's really, really scary. Like I mentioned before when I was talking about Curry and my MVP uh, um, considerations, Golden State is back to that strength in numbers mentality that they had to sacrifice in when they got KD. You have guys like Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, given essential, I mean, the Glove Jr. given essential minutes, essential playing time, and they are doing as well as they are. And then you're bringing Clay back in. And mind you, yes, he's coming off injuries to his knees, which is like, yo, to his legs, which is, that's tough when it comes to a sport like basketball, especially since it was multiple. And the last time he played, I mean, People have been all over social media. It's like, well, COVID didn't exist. And, you know, ever since COVID, it's felt like five years. You know, we've been in COVID protocol for five years. But also you look at the the change in teams. Jimmy Butler was still in Philly. Uh, James Harden was still in Houston. 
John KD, Morant wasn't in the league. Yeah, KD was still in OKC. <laughs> well, KD was still in Golden State. Uh, yeah. my, my apologies. So it's just like a lot has changed. It feels Paul, so long. Paul's on his third team since then. Yeah. So it's just like, <laughs> yo, okay. Welcome back, Clay. And when we had the NBA Top 75, he took that personally. He legit took that personally. And they they made sure we knew that he did not rock with the fact that he was left off the list. So I expected him to come out like, yo, he's going to be hungry. Giving, giving us 17 points off of three threes was like, okay, all right. He's, he, you know, and even himself, he said afterwards that he felt like he was still rusty. Well, of course, but if you're going to give 17, give me 17 points in solid game off of basically not playing in almost two plus years. Oh, this Warriors team is going to be downright scary. They're about to hit know. a new level. I don't know, Abe. Some of those cuts he was moving around, like there was one they had like a pick set up with Green on the top. They had him come around the corner and Curry mm-hmm. came off that pick and, and he had the exact dribble right off that right leg and nailed it. I'm just like, yeah, right, yo, it's, right, it's, it's, it's going to be, yo, <laughs> it's going to be yeah. scary you know, hours look, to the West. If you, look, if you look at when they dominated the league in 2014, 2015, and 2015, 2016 before they got Kevin Durant, if you look, and you just named those rosters. They had Harrison Barnes. They got Andrew Wiggins now, who's better than Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. They had, like, Festus Azili. They had Maurice Space, <laughs> Leandrino Barboza. They had yep. Sean Livingston. They had those guys there that could all play and were, like, they all fit. And now they, they got, you know, Jordan Poole. They got Damian Lee. They they're, still haven't got they still too. Haven't brought, they still legs. haven't brought back James Watson. Mm-hmm. Yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They got Kevon Looney. They still got Hydra Dollar, who's older. So they got the same type of team and it's, they got they they fit they found the players that fit the way that they mm-hmm. want to play plus they still got the core that they had who are mm-hmm. now older wiser more experienced you know what i'm saying so now they now and then like the west if you look in the west there's really not a team that can beat them there is no team the only <laughs> i mean team, teams are the struggling team to beat them without clay and not clay the only team I see in the NBA that can beat them is Milwaukee. That's it. I don't see no team in the conference messing with them. But even yeah. Phoenix, hundred percent at their best, no. playing in their rhythm. No, Phoenix need Phoenix needs to make if Phoenix like go. I don't know how they're gonna do this, but if they can go get like Eric Gordon, <laughs> like they get Phoenix got to go make go get somebody because when Phoenix beat them, they were fully healthy, but uh, Booker hurt his hammy. You know what I'm saying? So. He played like eight, nine minutes before he got out, but they still didn't have the Warriors and have play in Wise. And then the next two matchups, Golden State won. Phoenix didn't have Devin Booker in one of the matchups. Okay. The next, you remember they played the back to back. They played yeah, the home yeah. Home. Okay. They yeah, did a yeah, home yeah. and away. So they go Phoenix won, and then Golden State won the next one. And then the next time they played, which was like two weeks later, Devin Booker was there. Golden State still beat them with just Steph. Devin Booker had like a terrible shooting night. So I kind of didn't. Really not yet, but still, the Warriors didn't have Clay and James Watson, so I was like, the Warriors running away. Look, look, I I agree with pretty much all the sentiments stated about the Warriors and and how good they are and how good they can be. Especially, I think it's under said how good of a coach Kerr is and and that system that they play in. <laughs> you, you know, we look at performances a lot, but but that system takes a lot from from what he learned as a, as an assistant and as a player, but um. With the Warriors, though, like, I, don't, I ain't seen nothing from Wiseman in his career to even mention him. 
like, yeah, they're doing what they're doing without him, but I don't know how much of a factor he's going to be in the NBA yet. Um, Jabari. Go ahead. What did you see from Gary Payton II before he got to go to state? I knew before he got to Golden State that the only thing he could do is play defense. And and since he's and been at Golden State, he doing? he's contributing with defense. But I don't what was know the narrative? why he to be no lock, lockdown defender. I, I, what was the not, narrative on Wiggins before he got to Golden State? I didn't buy that narrative. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Golden State. He played in Minnesota. Like, come on. Changes you. Wiseman, <laughs> last year, last year they did like a soft, like, little tank, like, you know what I'm saying? They really wasn't. No, now I'm they got, saying, oh, I, I agree. Forgot. I fully they agree Kaminga. with y'all. They got Kaminga. I know I love Kaminga. I love Kaminga. That's I what I'm saying. Like, I ain't going to say, like, all of these guys are non-factors. Yeah, if Golden State wanted um, to make a move, they still could and still have. They got pieces. They got assets. Right. <laughs> They're going mean, to they 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 get Christian Wood. They're going right. to get Christian Wood. Oh, Wood. I ain't even talking about, yeah. about no, no Phoenix Suns if that happens. But, no. like, and I still favor Golden State. I still, for a lot of reasons, but, um. We look into like regular season matches a lot sometimes. Like when we were just talking about Golden State versus Phoenix, um, I I have full confidence like Brooklyn's gonna get better. Like right now, if you look at their regular season matchups against contenders, it, it looks like they'll get knocked out in the first or second round, like or probably second round or some shit like that. Um, Brooklyn went into L.A. in in, in the crypto arena and in, in the first game the Clippers had with just Harden beat the Clippers. We get KD, we get Aldridge, you get everybody back and lose to that same Clippers team who's missing like 10 guys. So, I mean, regular season, it, it deserves to be talked about. It definitely deserves to be observed, but- But of course, yeah. Playoffs you, is a different animal. Like Everybody's scheduled and, and, zero, and I put, zero. And I put health over everything, like literally yeah. health. <laughs> like, like missing out one guy, like changes who we all say is going to win anything. So, but I love what Golden State's doing now. So yeah. we'll go- Brian, Sam, and we'll end the Clay talk, talk on you, Bryson, and then uh, Jabari will start us up about the Kyrie talk. So, Brian, right. go ahead. Yeah, I mean, with Clay, I mean, as I said before, with that shot around the court, that pit, I mean, that was that was the one. I'm like, that's that's Clay shot right there, coming off the dribble like that. That's exactly it. And I and I think Clay's game will age much better than most others. Like, I could see him last until his late 30s, early 40s, if he wanted to, just being like up to there being like a guy that just takes you know just plays off of other guys like I could totally see how that would work out for Clay now where Golden State's peak is with Clay being even 75% at worst their conference finals NBA finals team I agree with Bryson 100% on that and even if they, ha- they have enough juice to get another deal I mean the Christian Wood Eric Gordon swap for the Golden State Warriors would be an interesting one if they decided to move Wiseman and either either one of Moody or Kaminga. I wouldn't want to move Damian Lee or Jordan Poole for that. But I mean, it's it's really fun to see Clay come back. I mean, it's been like two years, and never mind the fact Golden State did kind of reverse the whole roster. I mean, I think there's probably like three players left from the time that he last played Golden State. So that, that it's a big thing, and I think for I mean with James Wiseman, I think people are a little hard on him. I think people have been a little hard on him. Um, even if he has like the first two and a half years of his career where he's hurt, like Joe Embiid was, and he becomes like, uh, you know, an all-star player later on, he could just be a late bloomer. Some bigs are like that. So, um, and I think even if like they find out after the half season and figure it out, I just think with Golden State, like they have a lot of flexibility right now. I mean, even with Wiggins' contract, they could move Wiggins' contract for almost anybody in the league because he makes that much. Yeah, Clay. 
I mean, we, we, it's pretty undisputed that Steph is the greatest shooter of all time, but I pretty, I'm pretty sure most people would also agree that Clay is probably the best catch and shoot three shooter of all time. And so I think one thing that um, it's crazy that it gets, well, not crazy because it gets overlooked because their offensive efficiency is, is mad, but just what's really scary about these teams is their defensive efficiency is crazy as well. And like um, someone else mentioned beforehand, Clay is just known as like the, a great three and D guy. So just to add that to the lineup is something that's really scary. Um, in terms of him coming back, uh, prime Clay, obviously great catch and shoot, but statistically you'll, you'll get like 22 points, 23 points during the regular season. Um, and then he comes back from like a long-term injury, like hadn't played since 2019 and then gets 17 points. So yeah, everyone's pretty much summed everything I was going to say. Just very scary hours for GSW. And he's motivated. He has something to prove from not making that NBI, the NBA 75 list. So very, very scary. Very excited to watch. Um, when he did that dunk and he landed awkwardly, I like, I wanted to die. But <laughs> but. He, he looks healthy and that's good because obviously they when they brought KD back in that finals, they shouldn't have, it just really messed them up. But I think they've not, maybe not learned from that, but they've really taken their time to make sure he's back okay. And we can see that. They just back to their bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And in <laughs> terms of the in terms of the Christian Wood thing, I was I know Warriors fans don't really want Christian Wood. I was trolling for any Warriors fans listening to this in the future. I was just saying, you know, they can give us their future assets for Christian Wood. But I know they don't want Christian Wood. It was a joke. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> with, with Clay Thompson, man, the Warriors, they have depth. They have strength in numbers. They have guys that can come off the bench and hurt you in different ways. They can play fast. They can play slow. Draymond is a key to that offensive team. Uh, that, that He's the engine to that team. Um, really, he the passes that he makes one time, he's like the ultimate playmaker. One of the most disrespected players of all time, depending on who you're talking to. Some people really do not understand what Draymond Green brings to the table, both offensively and defensively. They really do not understand what they're looking at, or they just don't respect it and they don't care. But either way, Draymond Green is is phenomenal. Other than that, man, you know, I think every everything's pretty much been said. I'm just glad right now my team is not contending. We don't have to deal with this headache of a team. We can rebuild in silence. Nobody cares. And uh, Jabari Smith is coming to Houston out of Auburn. <laughs> All right. So our next or our last topic is pretty much reactions to Kyrie's return the other day. Kyrie came back last week against Indiana and in the, the, the Pacers. As you all know, he can only play away games as of now. So <laughs> that's the only time we'll be seeing him is in other teams arenas. But he played 32 minutes, 17 shots. He, sh he made nine of them. So he shot, I think, like 52%. He shot two threes, didn't make any. Um, I think he had like 22 points, three steals, four assists, and a block, two turnovers. Um, my reaction to Kyrie's return, well, as a Nets fan, <laughs> tears the fucking joy like I, I'm just a Kyrie fan like I'm a fan of him as a player as a basketball fan I just love seeing Kyrie play um but as a Nets fan he's very fundamental to what we do and we get a different James Harden when Kyrie's on the floor um I think Katie's happier when Kyrie's on the floor but Katie's gonna be Katie regardless but James Harden approaches the game differently when Kyrie's on the floor, I can say that much from the few times they played last year to, to now. 
he Harden in Brooklyn has has proved himself to be very like confused at times as to what to do, what role he wants to be, what is does he want to be aggressive? Does he want to attack? Does he want to shoot a lot? Does he want to mainly look for other guys? I think he's very concerned about not letting his teammates get cold. He wants to be a good teammate and he wants to do things that lead to winning. With Kyrie on the floor, they've seemed to come, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they've seemed to come to an agreement um, last year to where they kind of take turns attacking certain matchups. They take turns facilitating. Um, mainly, it would obviously be hard to facilitate him, but they know when Kyrie's going to set up a play and Harden will get it in a corner or Katie will get it and, and you know, it'll something else will come out of that. Like, they just look more fluid as a team with him there. He's pretty efficient. He's coming off of a 50-40-90 season last year that isn't really talked about, but he's an efficient player. As a Nets fan, I'm just, you'll take Kyrie playing these away games over not having him at all. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know what what the situation will be in the playoffs, if anything will change. But if things don't change, I like our odds, obviously, with Kyrie only playing away games than just having Harden and KD playing seven-game series. It, it's a big thing for us to adjust to, but it's also going to be pretty weird for our opponents based on who has the home field advantage to game plan for a more stacked Nets team in their home arena. So um, it's, it's interesting. And just having Kyrie and Clay back just makes watching these games, you know, a lot better. Um, before I hand it off, though, he's playing tonight. I think they're playing um, in Portland. They, they're playing off for back-to-back because I know they played the Spurs yesterday, so they flew to Portland Damn. on the other side of the country. <laughs> the announcers didn't stop telling me how much they'd never seen this before, but they flew to the other side of the country. They're playing Portland tonight. I ain't too worried about the back-to-back part because Kyrie only playing away games kind of helps the people that um, play, that are playing all games, you know, get a little bit of a break. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm looking forward to a win. I don't know how I felt about Kyrie coming back. It's obviously great for basketball. Um, it, it's, it's good to see, and it'll be very interesting to see how it develops. Um, we all know what he brings. We all know what he the he contributes to the team. I always say that he's one of the most criminally underrated people when talking about LeBron's uh, Cleveland days and him coming back from the 3-1 victory. People always undermine like how big a part of yours of that. Um, but yeah, I think your main, your, well, here's the thing. When, when Kyrie, when Harden first joined um, Kyrie and KD, everyone's first concerns was how are they going to play together? How are they going to fit? And that didn't really seem to be an issue. So my first, thing that I was going to mention is that when you have a player who's only playing away games your main issue would then be how that affects team chemistry but just seeing how they didn't really play much uh last year but they still seem to like dominate the Celtics when only two of them were healthy I don't see really see that as being much of a problem so it's just going to be really interesting to see um yeah phenomenal player clutch pretty much I, I like I really like seeing him as more of like a shooting guard and kind of just scoring so yeah, wizard, wizard on the ball, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, as someone who did not always like Kyrie Irving in the start of his career, but then when he came to Boston, I learned to appreciate Kyrie Irving. Because when you watch someone from a night-to-night basis, you really do like get to see more than you do usually do if you see them once out of every like seven or eight or nine days or so. And Kyrie's one of those guys, every time he has the ball, he can put the ball in the hole, or he'll have somebody else put the ball in the hole. 
And that's the really the most, it, it's, it's a crazy thing. And I think with the Nets, if they had Kyrie or healthy the whole season, I think they would overwhelmingly probably have the best record of the Eastern Conference. Uh, that's just part. And I understand they lost Dinwiddie and a couple of other of those um, role players that were very, very good. But it's just, it's, the, you know, plus with him and KD, they got like a weird relationship, Kyrie and KD. It's almost like they're polar opposites, but yet they're like completely on on the same wavelength when it comes to like a few things. So it may be opposites attract in that way. Um, but I mean, it gets Indiana. Indiana is a team that's blowing up in a future podcast. We're going to have to discuss Indiana. But, um, you know, it's just I don't like this whole part time thing. I wish they would just let him come back for good. You know, like, you know, have him pay a fine, do something. You know, just keeping them barred is not really before right. before you finish. And I'm not I'm gonna be real quick with this. There's yeah. been talks on like Twitter or if you're like around these kind of talks that the Nets can possibly pay a fine every game for letting him play. Um, that's that's how the rules are right now. If he was to play, the Nets would receive a fine and the fine would just continue to increase, but it doesn't have anything about like anything more severe than money. So right. yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I think you would yeah. save that for the playoffs, wouldn't you? Right. That's that's yeah. a, that's also been a topic of discussion. That they, they would probably try to save it for like right before the playoffs, but we'll see if it, if it's a possibility if it does happen. In my opinion, the regular season is for building habits. It's for building championship habits. If you're a bad team, you're going to build bad habits. If you're a good team, you're going to build good habits. If you're a great team, you're going to build great habits. That's why you have Golden State, and Utah, Memphis, Phoenix at the top of the West. And I understand that Brooklyn is at the top of the East, but again, we're talking about their record versus contending teams. And a lot of people I know feel like, oh, they can just hit a switch. Oh, Kyrie's going to – I just think that you build – you use the regular season to build championship habits. Right now, Brooklyn is not building championship habits on a, 90, on a nightly basis. One of the reasons why they even agreed to bring Kyrie Irving back as a part-time player is because they knew in the regular season they were not building championship habits. So they knew that they needed somebody like Kyrie, who's $30 million, just not doing anything. They knew they said, you know what? Some type of punch in the arm is better than no punch in the arm. Yeah, so you know the whole thing with uh with 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 this whole situation is just it's kind of crazy. I I want listen, Jabari. I know you probably thinking, oh man, this dude hate the Nets, bro. <laughs> Nobody wants to see James Harden win a championship more than me. But I just want to see him right when he wins it. I don't want people to be like he got carried, and I just don't. And I and the way he's looked this year and with all everything going on with Kyrie Irving. I don't know. I was actually kind of happy that Kyrie Irving was going to miss the season because I was like, okay, James and KD is enough. Like, nobody can, like, say KD carry, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Because people love narratives in basketball. You know what I'm saying? So I just, you know, tried to, you know, stick with it, you know. But, uh, yeah, I'm just – Brooklyn is a good team, but I just don't think they're going to be a uh, contender. I don't think they're going to be a real championship team. You think that helps him then a little bit that like Kyrie's playing part time, so people can't. Really yeah, see. a little bit, yeah. a little bit. But I mean, I mean what, what's what's their home record again? We were talking about their home record. Ten and ten. Like they're they're mediocre at home. I know they're missing Joe Harris. I know Lamarcus Aldridge sits out some games and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm just I'm the, not a belief. I'm I, I'm more. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm a Brooklyn fan, but like I'm critical of this team because we don't have a championship. So that's that's desperately as basketball being my favorite sport that's desperately what I want for this team and city is a championship so um I can't say I share the same sentiments and like feeling happy when he was sitting out for the season but at some point at some point I felt like 
okay, this is better than not knowing and, and having this whole back and forth because we can build chemistry with, with James, KD, and, and the players that we have. Um, and if it came down to just going into the playoffs with just James and KD, I wouldn't be happy about those odds and I wouldn't bet on us to win. But, you know, I ride with KD. I still believe that KD, um, not by a landslide or anything, but I believe he's the best player in the NBA right now. Again, not by a landslide. The, the players in discussion with him, I believe, deserve to be in discussion and could overcome or overtake him at any point. To what Bryson said, though, um, just in continuance to replying to him, um, Kyrie coming back, I feel it helps Brooklyn. Obviously, in the regular season, we have 20-something away games left, and our odds tremendously increase when he's playing. But with just knowing how this team operates, like just you know watching behind the scenes and stuff like that, I don't think it affects chemistry as much as it did with him not playing. So... Like we have aspirations of winning a title, not becoming the first seed or the second seed or or winning the regular season. And we proved without Kyrie, we can still be a top one, top two seed. But <laughs> the thing is, like, like I said, all of these players have expressed they have aspirations of a title. And Bryson said it like he wants to see Harden win it. He wants to see Harden win it the right way. Harden's the only player in this big three that doesn't have a chip. So I. And, and not to mention, Harden's in a contract year. He he denied an ex, he denied um an extension at the beginning of the season. So Harden has a lot to prove to me. Um, Harden's always had the most to prove to me of the big three, but that doesn't mean to say that I'm I'm relying on Harden to carry them. I don't want I don't like I don't care for that. I don't care for any of these guys to be carried by one another. I just expect them to show up. Um, why I don't have Brooklyn as a contender. My main two reasons is the Kyrie situation. I mean, sorry, Brooklyn's a contender to me. Why I don't have them just as the favorite. Um, my main my main thing is the Kyrie situation. And second, I do have questions with um our, our coach. Um, I'm up and down on 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 Steve Nash. He's in his second year as a head coach. Some some feel head coaches don't matter. I mean, our stars have said that at a time, so <laughs> it's more <laughs> emphasized when it comes to Brooklyn. But uh I question some of the things he does, and then I'm a fan of some of the things he does. Like, I'm not fully, um, you know, buying or selling. I'm not asking for a new coach or anything like that. I'm just, I just have questions with him. And then our roster, my main issue with Brooklyn is we have too many of the same player on the roster. And I'll explain that by saying we have DeAndre Bembry, a great role player that can play defense not great but a good role player that can play defense his shots sus like he's not gonna like we can't rely on him to make shots every game so you know he'll slash or whatever then we have bruce brown who's uh an inch smaller than Bembry, probably does the same thing um an even more sus shot um really good defender and, and a lot of floaters because obviously his offensive game's lacking um, we have Javon Carter is literally a smaller version of the two guys I just mentioned, but a better shooter, but very streaky, but he's literally six foot probably in sneakers. So as good as he is defensively, he's a pest defensively, but he's very small. As far as our bigs go, we have no true center. Um, Nick Claxton is to me, a, a forward center. Like that's how he's been played in his career. He used to bring the ball up and like in college, like he used to bring the ball up the court sometimes. So 
like he has a lot of um potential like future potential but as far as like right now we have no real true centers Demarcus Aldridge like hey seven feet he's a power forward he's never been known for defense even before he's been like immobilized by old age and now he's what like 35 so like what do you expect like the fact that he makes these shots and does what he does offensively honestly surprises me because I, I expect the regression there to where he's just not a suitable player to even be on a team let alone a contending team Blake Griffin doesn't get minutes so like I'm starting to like I don't want to go through the whole roster but if you look at the skill sets of these guys there's a lot of guys that does the same thing so that's that along with the Kyrie Irving situation is my biggest concerns with Brooklyn yeah I'll leave it at that I'm so happy he's back though as for me as uh, we get to close this out I'm happy that Kyrie's back you know I'm a big Duke uh, Blue Devils fan And so even though he only played nine games for us, and personally, I didn't think he should have came out. But I mean, look at his career thus far. He's been able to do the damn thing. And I watched him a lot in uh, Cleveland because I happened to be and I happened to go to college in Ohio. And so, of course, all the Cleveland games were online anytime were on the TV anytime we wanted to watch the basketball game. So getting to see him often. And while his stint in Boston was not successful, um, I've, I've always been a fan. It's good to have him back on the court. He is going to help this team take the next step um, as they start to get it together again, because it's, it's very dangerous when you think about it. You have talent like Harden, you have talent like Katie, you have talent like Kyrie. How do you prepare yourself for that just as an opposing coach, you know, as opposing players, you can't afford to slack off on any one of them, even though we've discussed already how Harden, you know, hasn't been the usual Harden that we're so used to. But again, we've also acknowledged that this is, we're seeing a different type of Harden. And as he's getting his legs back, as Bryson uh, pointed out earlier in the episode, as he's looking more himself movement-wise, that's, that's a scary thing to have to deal with. So, uh, you know, I, I fully expect Brooklyn to to do well. Um, whether they win it all, I mean, uh, uh, go Celtics. Yeah, so welcome back, Kyrie. Welcome back, Clay. And that is going to conclude this episode of Full Court Press, the first episode of 2022. Like I said before, shout out to everyone who's here. These are basically your hosts. You'll see them often, um, more likely than not. You might see them, hear from them twice a week, to be honest. Uh, so we like to record on Mondays and Thursdays with releases on Tuesdays and Fridays. So happy Tuesday, y'all. I uh, hope you guys enjoy what we have in store for you. And so, again, shout out to Bryson for joining the team from uh, the, the Rockets fans. Shout out to Sam from the Thank- U.K., joining the team the Bulls fan welcome back Brian from Boston my fellow Celtics fan welcome back to the head honcho full court press to start it off welcome but also welcome back to the guy who is in charge of full court press Jabari from Brooklyn um, the Nets fan plus all things New York and of course you know me I'm I'm not permanently staying here by the way I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just visiting uh, but it's It'll be here a lot. <laughs> it's, it's Abe, uh, the Celtics fan who shall not stress me out in 2022. 
So be on the lookout for all new episodes. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at SSA Worldwide. Make sure you follow all of these guys on Twitter as well. Their social media handles will be in the bio. And we're out. Yeah.